But my question was, what would it be like if I took this dead palm tree branch and I tried to reattach it to a tree to see what it would do? And that is sort of what some of us do when we have these dead things in our past that are stuck in our heads, that are still tapping into some emotion in us, causing us to either behave a certain way or think a certain way or preventing us from living our life. So I really wanted to speak to Welcome to Divorce is Not a Destination. I'm Dr. Lisa Summerauer, a breakup and divorce strategist. If you've experienced a breakup or a divorce, you already know how stressful it can be. But here's the thing, divorce isn't the end of your story. It's a new beginning starting from where you are right now. So join me for a unique blend of humor and straight talk as we navigate the ups and downs, drama and trauma, and emotional roller coaster ride experienced when a relationship ends. You won't be alone. I'll introduce you to guests who share their experiences and success stories. Come here for actionable tips, tools, and strategies that empower you to move forward. Whether you need healing, guidance, or a fresh perspective, I'm here to remind you it's your life, your journey. Here on Divorce is Not a Destination. Hello, 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 everyone. Sophie Elliott, I see you in here. Welcome to the show. I'm Dr. Lisa. This is Divorce is Not a Destination because nobody plans on it and we sometimes still end up there anyway, more than once. But who's counting? Don't judge me. Anyway, it is Thursday and every Thursday, just about every Thursday, we are here together and I have some regulars that come in. I'm hoping I'm hoping that Sandra is able to get in here tonight because I am dedicating dedicating this show to her because it was her idea. And I'll tell you why it was her idea in a minute. So I am a breakup and divorce coach. I'm actually internationally accredited. I am working on a second accreditation, focusing on relationships that are dysfunctional, that include abuse, whether it's physical, financial abuse, um, I've just learned about technology, abuse with technology that, that factors into relationships. So I help people, I support people who have come out of relationships and who are just struggling with getting themselves back on track. They're struggling with feeling like they're living their best life again. Or, and maybe they haven't for a long time. Maybe this could be the first time that it happens. But that is my goal. That is my desire. That is why I'm here And I like to think that's why I've had a couple of marriages and divorces myself. So those experiences were really real for me. Um, So I don't understand it just from from an educational aspect. I understand it because I lived through it. So very often these shows come from something that was uh, important to me or something that got triggered or something I found really interesting. Or it's an experience that I've had and I want to figure out a way to help other people learn from it. So... Um, This show is about what's going on when you are stuck in your past. And I put, do you have something dead that's stuck in your head? Is there something that died somewhere in your past and you are now trying to breathe life back into this dead thing? And it could be a relationship. and, And when I say relationship, that could be a platonic relationship, a romantic relationship. It could be a family member because we are constantly in relationship with somebody or somebody's. It could be work. It could be a job that you that you left, a career that you left that for some reason is still haunting you. Like maybe you're not sure you should have left it or the money was better and now you're not making the money. All of these, any of these things could be something that died in your past that you keep trying to breathe life into. I did a video earlier today as a little commercial for this show Um, We had one of our palm tree branches had fallen and it had gone over the fence onto our neighbors. Uh, They have a shed that's about the same height as our fence. So from up in the window, I could see it. So I knew at some point I needed to go over and reach across the fence and grab it. So today I went over and grabbed the branch. I measured it. It measured over 18 feet. I, I can't tell you how big, how large these palm tree branches are. You just can't get a perspective on these things when they're hanging in the tree. But when those buggers fall down into your grass, into your your lawn, and you hear that thump hit the ground, 
or when you need to go drag them. I stood one up the other day to show somebody how tall it was and it was taller than the roof of my office. So this was one of those. This was one of the biggest ones I think I've ever dragged around the yard. But my question was, what would it be like if I took this dead palm tree branch and I tried to reattach it to a tree to see what it would do? And that is sort of what some of us do when we have these dead things in our past that are stuck in our head, that are still tapping into some emotion in us, causing us to either behave a certain way or think a certain way or preventing us from living our life. So I really wanted to speak to um, what is that about? You know, how can we stop thinking about the past? What what are what are the dangers in it? What could what could happen because you're stuck in your past? And so. And what makes it so difficult? What makes it so difficult to stop actually ruminating about your past? So there is some science behind this. They say, um, it says that, you know, you're, you have these neural, I have these nurses on here, these, the, your neural structures in your brain, right? And these pathways are created based on how we're thinking, what kind of thoughts are running through our mind. And once you start thinking about this one thing, it just leads you down like a rabbit hole to keep thinking about that thing. So when you start thinking about an ex, whether even if you're thinking about the positive things, depending on what that conjures up for you. So example, you could be thinking about the good things in the relationship and that might help you realize that, oh, I have had some positive things happen to me in my past relationships, therefore I can have it happen again. Or you could be thinking about the good things in that relationship and then telling yourself, it's never going to be that way again. I'm never going to love like that. That was the last chance I had. And if you do that, those are two different ways that your brain is getting wired, right? So you, you want to make sure that when you start thinking about it, you're thinking about it in a way that if it continues down that path, it's a, it's a positive path. It's an enlightening path. It's something that's not going to cause you the emotional pain that actually causes you to spiral out of control. And so it's funny that you gotta really be paying attention because you could be thinking about happier stuff, but if you're thinking about it in a way that's making you depressed, then it's not really helping you even though you're trying to think about something that's happy. And I'll talk about, again, a little more detail about how you can look at your past and find the good in it once you've done a few other things. So um, you do wanna have some you, you do want to have some um, some thought about the past so that it it gives you something that you can learn from and grow from, right? So a little bit of thought about the path, past is healthy. But if you're doing what we call ruminating, and ruminating is, ruminating is when you are thinking about something so much, it has basically become an obsession. And that could cause you to slip into anxiety, depression, um, low self-esteem, your uh, impulsive behavior uh, is one of the things that can happen because you're just so busy thinking you're like consumed and obsessed with something from your past. I'm, I'm checking uh, Frankie here. I asked potential therapists if they ever lived without. <laughs> this is how he figures out their ages without asking. He asked them if they have ever lived without Internet or social media. For, so earlier, folks, if you just came in, we were talking about just going to somebody who's 23 years old for life coach when, you know, for me, I'm 60 and there's some folks on here that, that, that maybe are a few years older. And would you go to a 20 something for life coach? And not that they're not good, but Frankie said he had a therapist. They were all just half his age. And so he, had, he asked if they have ever lived without internet. Yeah, that would be a good test right there. Or do they know what UHF is? Or have, yeah, they, have they ever had to adjust a TV antenna would be another thing. So one of the ways you can look at and, and, and look at like ruminating, if you're really getting obsessed about something, you think about if you're thinking about a partner who betrayed you, maybe somebody cheated on you and you may be replaying this over and over in your head. And one of the dangers of this ruminating is how it can impact you today. So you have this in your head. You're thinking about it over and over again. The things that you think about are the things that get connected. So you have these little wires popping off in your, these little nerves and everything popping off in your head, creating this energy around this thought process that you're having that's really negative. I got hurt. I was in love last time. I got hurt. I really trusted this person. 
They lied to me. They cheated on me. This is what's going on in you. And it's basically rewiring your brain to connect relationship to being hurt emotionally, to being lied to and cheated on. So you're thinking, I just need to get into another relationship. So now you meet somebody and you start feeling some kind of way and you don't realize that it has triggered all of that negative stuff that you had already been growing in your head. It's almost like having weeds in a garden. If you don't get all of those weeds out at the root, it doesn't matter what you plant in there. Those weeds just find a way to come back through. And so if you have been feeding weeds in your mind from this dead relationship, you got dead weeds somehow growing in your mind. And now you bring in a new relationship that has the potential to be healthy, but that potential of falling in love again triggers what happened when you fell in love before. And that is going to send off all of these alarms, unnecessary alarms, the, the fear, the anxiety, all of this. And you're bringing all of this into this relationship. The other person doesn't have a clue what's going on. They just know this. this why is he or she treating me like this? Like, I'm just trying to love on them. But the whole idea, the whole feeling and vibe for you of being loved on is now emotionally connected to also being hurt and being lied to and being cheated on. And so this could cause you to have like sabotaging behavior because you're 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 actually creating nightmares where they don't need to exist. You're creating barriers that don't need to be there. Like I said the mistrust and it could really keep you from moving forward. I call this I call this being held hostage by your own life. That that for me is is one of those things where I would look at and go yeah, that's like being held hostage in your own life. And so the way this all came about, and this is actually uh, uh, the example that started, that, that was the impetus for this show. So my friend Sandra, who, let me see, I don't think Sandra's on here. I don't, I don't know if Sandra's figured out how to get on the app yet. So she's going to have to catch this on YouTube. Sandra called me, I don't know, three or four weeks ago. And she said, I have a show for you. She said, I have a topic for your podcast. She said, she had been in a relationship with somebody on and off for 20 years, and it was a toxic relationship. And she said in order to get away from it, she moved from New York to California. Now, she had kids out here, so it wasn't like she just packed up and, you know, she, she didn't just throw a dart on the board and end up here. She did have family here, but I knew Sandra as being really established and doing well in the business in New York. So it was kind of interesting that she ended up out here. But she, And she's been out here now for, for some time. But she was telling me how about, I don't know, maybe a month or so ago, whatever it was, she decided to look up this ex who she had been in this toxic on and off again relationship with because they hadn't been in touch for over a decade. And she just thought, what the heck? Let me let me just see. You know how we do sometimes. That's why I tell you to disconnect all your social media and phone numbers and everything. So if you do have this attack, it makes it hard for you to do it. But, you know, you can always get back on. But she's a safe distance away, right? She's a cross country, um, isn't even connected on social media. So she goes on her little hunt to find this ex. Can't find anything on the internet. He's not on social media. Not surprised. Sandra's a, a little bit older than me. So not surprised that somebody wouldn't be on. So she goes to his company website. And I don't know if they had something on there or that directed her somewhere where she found out this man had died almost a decade ago. Now, my mom has met Sandra, and so she I hope she shouldn't mind me telling the story because she told me to do the podcast about it. Sandra hasn't dated in 20 years. She was pretty much, I'm going to use the word traumatized, but how about I'll do this, negatively impacted by that relationship as it was, and she really hasn't been on a date. You know, the longer you don't date, the more challenging it is to start dating, because you start finding other things to do with your time by yourself that don't involve another human being. And if you start having any anxiety or trepidation about it, you just get to feed on that. So it's a whole nother thing that you're feeding about why you're not dating. 20 years is a long time to not have gone on a date. Now I did get her to get on Facebook dating while she was hanging out with us just to give her the experience of looking through an app and seeing men and being able to say, no, 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 maybe, right? So it's like baby steps, baby steps. But she said to me, it's been 
decade or more than a decade since I've dealt with this man. She said, but he has been living in my head all of that time. And I find out that he died 12 years ago. She said, I wonder how many other people are out there with experiences like this. And that's when it, it dawned on me. Yeah. How many people are living with something dead in their head? You're literally trying, continuing to breathe life into something. In this case, that didn't even exist anymore. He, the man is gone. He's not even breathing oxygen on this planet with her. But there was still a part of that old relationship that felt that she felt like was controlling it. Hey, Kimberly, that she felt like was controlling her present. Now, we can't. it wasn't really him. It was the parts of him and the parts of that relationship that she kept alive in her head. And so it's, it's whatever she was thinking about. It's however she was traumatized by that relationship that was still living. She was continuing to feed in her mind that caused her to not have a date for 20 years. Because remember I talked about earlier, if you have an emotional connection to, to something that you wanted to be good, but it turned out negative, and now you have an emotion attached to that, even though you think you want the good thing, you still associate that as negative and it's connected to these emotions that you don't really want to deal with. So I want to talk about some warning signs, some ways you can tell if you're stuck in your past. And I'm, I'm adding Sandra's to the list at, at number one. <laughs> if you are still ruminating about a relationship that you've been out of for probably over 15 years, because he's been dead for 12. Maybe you should go look up your ex. Just check on them every couple of years to see if they're even still alive so you can, you can have one more reason to let that go. I'm not trying to kill nobody. I'm just saying you need to figure out, if not, obviously we're not talking about killing people, but you need to kill the noise in your head about something that's no longer existing in your life. So let's look at some... And if you guys think of some some telltale signs, because maybe you've had this experience yourself, but some things that you can look at to say, okay, this might be me or I'm, I might be stuck in my past, either from a relationship, romantic, platonic, family, coworker, a situation, a job. It could be a home. I know people that struggle with leaving places where they grew up or places where they had their families, uh, their family members, their children grew up and they get stuck wanting to go back to a place that they don't even live in anymore and no other place will do. Matter of fact, my sister and I were watching an HGTV show a couple of weeks ago at her place and it was a couple who just got engaged. They're both older. His wife had died and everything that they looked, every house they looked at, every room that they were comparing, everything he said was related to the house that he had with his now dead wife and those their grown children the house that he sold and no longer lived in, but he wanted something that was like that house. For me, that's a, that's a similar situation of you're trying, to, you're trying to revive something or recreate something that's gone, you know? So here's some things. Your conversations always revert back or often, I won't say all, always, often revert back to a certain time, a certain person, certain situations, or in that guy, a certain house. Everything that he looked at, he compared to what he, well, that, that's not, you know, we had a really nice basement in the last house. And I, I would think that I would want that again. It had a bar and I, I was able to work down there and da, 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 da. the bedroom. Oh, well, you know, my last house, everything is reverting back. Now, therapists, this is how me as a coach can also tell if the person could, they, they might still benefit from coaching, but the fact that everything seems to revert back to something in their past, like, their mom did this, their dad did this. And if it keeps going back, those are the folks I go, you know what? I want you to consider getting a therapist because <laughs> the therapists take you back in your childhood and your past life and all that. And all, well, not life, but your past. Well, yeah, I guess it is your past life. This one, not like another one, not like uh, what's my girl. I can't think of the actress who talks about multiple lives. Warren Beatty's sister. Anyway, they'll take you back in your past so that you can try to resolve unresolved issues from maybe your childhood or your teens or your relationship with somebody that's been over. As a coach, we may talk about that to some degree, but my job, my goal is to move you through that and get you to here so I can help you move forward. I'm here to support you reaching current goals 
not being stuck in your past where I can't get you off of where you are because you keep turning around and going backwards. So that's one way of knowing that you could be stuck trying to revive something that's dead because you keep talking about it. You attract the same type of people over and over and over and over again. And it was the person that caused you pain that you keep duplicating in your life. Something in you keeps getting drawn back to that person. Wanda, my pastor has taught me not to let people take up space in my head and they're not paying rent. Woo! Shirley McLean, that's his sister. That's Warren Beatty's sister. We just went back on him, Wanda. So Frankie, that would be another question to ask your therapist. Do you know who Shirley McLean is? Because you gotta be a certain age to know who Shirley McLean is. <laughs> and you gotta be another certain age to not be able to remember her name. <laughs> How about that? So you're attracted to the same thing over and over again, and it may not necessarily have been good for you or healthy for you, but you keep going back. You're stuck. Disagreements often surround old arguments. Oh my gosh. It's okay to have, to you know, some people are able to have humor about things that happened in the past and you can, you know, bring it up and joke about it. But if it is something that is constantly coming up, and I talked about this a little bit in the, um, what, what is it like if you try to go back to your ex? One of the things that I, I caution people on in that conversation was if your ex or you can't get over why you broke up in the first place, like it keeps coming up in the current situation, probably not a good idea to try to rejuvenate that relationship unless one or both of you is going to go to therapy to try to deal with it. But it's the same thing when you're looking at signs that you may be stuck in your past if that your arguments and disagreements are always from something that already happened. You can't even have, you can't even pick a new fight because you stuck on the old one. The old one is just on repeat. You get easily bored or frustrated. And this may sound kind of interesting. When I was little, my mother used to tell us if I came in the house and said, I'm bored. She would say, oh, well, that's your fault. I had an interesting childhood. But her point was, if you can't be with you and find joy and something to do, then that is an issue that you need to figure out for yourself, even at seven years old. So it wasn't an option of blaming somebody else for me being bored. But if you're bored, it could be because you're thinking about things that have already happened and you don't think that there's gonna be anything that can compare to it. So again, you're still living in your past and that's making you feel bored and frustrated in your future because you're not really in your present because you're not looking to your future you're still looking behind you. You're still trying to turn around and look behind you. So it could create frustration and even boredom. And here we go. You're comparing your current situation to your previous one. Oh, I met this guy, but he doesn't remind me of whoever your ex is. Oh, I met this woman and she's really nice. I mean, there's nothing wrong with her, but you know, she doesn't cook like my ex did, or you know, she, she's not as active as my ex was, or she doesn't, the ex? is a sign that they're gone. Somehow you got to figure out how to let this go. The prior trauma or painful event that you experienced, that is on repeat in your mind as well. So I was talking about, you could look back at positive things, but even if you don't do that right, they're going to be, it's going to be detrimental to you. It's not going to bless you. But if you are literally just repeating the pain, and we do that too by talking about it a lot. We keep telling the same bad story of how we got hurt and how they did this to us. And some of that is necessary because you need to process the pain first. But at some point, you got to be able to get called out on the fact that, okay, you, you, you're now swimming in, the, you're swimming in the swamp. You're swimming in the swamp of your past and it's not going to help anybody. Um, there are emotional triggers that cause you to think about those folks from the past or those situations in the past. So you might be doing okay for a while. You've figured out a way to kind of subdue it, but then something happens and all of a sudden it's like you just went back in a time warp. You just, you just zapped yourself back five years, 10 years, 15 years, and you're living that past experience like it's your current experience now. So those emotional triggers are another sign. Um, you get into relationships to fill the void of what you think is missing from the relationship that you're no longer in. Does that make sense? Like you don't want to be alone with your thoughts about that relationship or circumstance or whatever. So you use a relationship as a buffer. You use a relationship as a shield 
to or a distraction. That's a better word. You use relationships as distractions, which means you're not giving everything you have to that relationship because you're using it so you don't think about the stuff that you're thinking about. So you can get involved and kind of be engaged, but as soon as they're out of sight, your brain is probably reverting back to an old relationship. So not good for you and certainly not good for the person who doesn't realize that they're basically being used as a living distraction. Um, and it puts a lot of pressure. It could put a lot of pressure on them because you may have an expectation that they need to keep you engaged and entertained and make things fun because otherwise you could get bored and then you get frustrated and you'll blame them when in reality what's happening is you're the one stuck on something that doesn't exist and they're getting the blame for it. Um, you are constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop. Something bad is imminent. It's just a matter of when and the who is probably whoever you're dealing with now. They don't know it. <laughs> they don't know that they're the person you've decided is going to break their heart or hurt their feelings or disappoint them or lie or cheat or steal or whatever it is. But you are living in the relationship with that anticipation of, yeah, no, everything's great. No, they're really cool. Friends are asking you and they're like, oh, he seems like such a great guy or she seems perfect for you. Yeah, they're, they're good for now. Yeah, I think it's, I don't, I don't know. I'm just going to see. Yeah. So you're living in anticipation of that other shoe dropping. You may as well just throw both shoes in the arena now and tell the person so that they don't get blindsided by you sabotaging the relationship, right? You feel anxious and you act impulsively. So that's kind of connected to waiting for that shoe to drop. You just live with this anxiety of there's just going to be something is just not right. There's gonna, I know something's not going to be, everything's not going to be perfect, but I, I just don't know what it is. And that can cause you to do impulsive things. And some of that may also be connected to that. I need a really good distraction. And impulsivity is an amazing distraction. I'm serious. Just try it. Meet some guy and then run off and just marry him. A huge distraction. I'm just saying. Um, experiencing regret over impulsive choices. So after you have this impulsive uh, behavior, after you act it out and then you come back to your senses or close to them or somebody else helps you get back to your senses, then you're sitting around thinking, what was I thinking? Oh my God, why didn't somebody stop me? Oh, I, I cannot do that again. I cannot do that again. Maybe you will, maybe you won't, but that's that regret over those impulsive actions. Some people are impulsive and they don't regret it. That's part of how they live. It's part of how they get excitement in their lives. They're okay taking risks that look impulsive to the rest of us, but they're perfectly fine. Whether it's a relationship or a job or some other adventure, they're okay making those kind of choices for themselves and they still manage to have some kind of joy and excitement around it. If you are doing that, and more often than not, it's followed by a bunch of regret. You really want to take a look at what is causing me to do these things and why am I feeling this way afterwards and see if it's connected to something in your past that you've been trying to avoid dealing with. Um, another sign that you could be dealing with uh, being stuck in your past is that you avoid new things. You avoid new people, new experiences. You want everything to be the way it was and, and it's so strong in you that it's almost like you're punishing yourself or you just don't even want to try anything else because it's not going to be as good as what you had. And so why bother? And so you learn to avoid new people, new places. So it could create a lot of isolation um, and, and just kind of social disconnection. You just don't even, you don't go places where you might meet new people. You're not trying new things where you might meet new people. And you could end up becoming a little bit of a recluse, which just adds to the uh, uh, just obsession that you have. You might be having thinking about things. And if you're by yourself a lot and you're not doing any new things, you got a lot of time to sit around and think about your past because you aren't creating anything new for your present. So hopefully this is, is making sense to you. And if something resonates and you wanna share, I like to remind people in case you're new, over on the lower right, you're gonna see a little stubby microphone. You'll see one on a stand, 
but you wanna look for the one at the bottom that has a little stubby microphone and next to it is a video camera. So if you wanna share, you can hit the microphone to talk or the video camera and I can, uh, you can ask to be invited on stage. So talked about you know, what this might look like if you've got this dead thing stuck in your head that you're trying to breathe life into, right? Talked about what it looks like. What are some of the signs or signals that you may be experiencing this and now I want to finish with how, how do you stop it? Like, you know, how do you heal from this? How do you get over it? So the first thing I want to share is if you are here in this space, you are not, you didn't get here overnight and it will not be fixed by the morning. Joy may come in the morning, but resolving all of this, probably not. So you got to be patient with yourself and forgiving with yourself and figure out a way to start paying attention to this stuff when it happens. So one of the things you can do is you can learn to focus on your present so that you learn to embrace it and enjoy it. And I put, you want to be able to document it and discuss it. So just like before I was talking about, if you are stuck in your past, one of the ways you can tell is you find yourself talking about the past all the time. Start changing that to talking about your present and talking about the future that you want to have. So you're going to shift what you're talking about. Because if you shift what you're talking about, you can detach from the emotions, some of the emotions that you had associated with the past by not talking about it. So you're, you want to slowly cut those, you want to cut those cords to your past so that you can get rid of that and slowly move into others. So you need to make some new connections, right? So focusing on now and focusing on your future. And I like to say, document it and discuss it. Talk about it and write it down. Write down what's going on in your present. Write down what you want for your future. Have like a dream journal of things you want to do, places you want to go, the kind of people you want to hang around. I mean, there's even one on here later about the kind of person you want to be. So here's, here's actually the first one. Examine your life. Examine your life. You aren't stuck on something for no reason. So be show yourself some grace if this is you. It's nice to kind of keep it light and everything, but show yourself some grace and understand that you're probably stuck on something for a reason. And you need to figure out what that reason is. You need to figure out what the reason is. And number two, hey, Nadine, talking about being stuck on something in your in your past, um, figure out what the reason is that you're stuck on that thing. And then number two is acknowledge the emotions around it. Because one of the reasons that this thing is so strong in your mind and it's it's kind of stuck in your head and altering your life is because you've attached some emotion to whatever this is. So every time you think about it, you feel a certain way. And that feeling, you you will keep going back to that feeling, even if the feelings are negative. Even if the feelings are negative, you could find yourself holding on to it because now you're ruminating about it and you're just making you're entrenching the feeling. It's just getting deeper. And I really believe the thing that you pay attention to, wherever you put your energy, um, those emotions is where your attention is going to go. If your emotions are connected to it, that's where your attention is going to go. So you're not going to have the energy to spend on other things because you're so consumed, you're getting drained with something from your past. And in my friend's case, I didn't get too much into exactly how much it had impacted her over the last 10, 15 years or more. But the fact that she called me to say, you need to do a podcast about, you know, when you got somebody stuck in your head and then you find out they're dead and you've altered your life over the last umpteen years for somebody that's not even alive anymore. So that was a really strong emotion attached to something from her past. And her emotion didn't know that he didn't live. He wasn't alive anymore. So in her, for her, he was still very much alive and very much impacting her life. So you need to change how you feel about the past so that you can start changing how you think about the past. Or maybe you're one of those people that can do it the other way around. Maybe you can figure out how to have different thoughts about the past that help you adjust how you feel about the past. Either way you get there, that's that should be one of the goals. Um, when you talk about examining it, the third thing is you need to feel before you can heal. And I think for a lot of people, the reason they're stuck in the past and those emotions stay alive so strong is because they never really honestly dealt with the emotions the first time around. 
So a lot of times people will stuff the emotions down and think because they can keep them under control that they're not a problem. Uh, sometimes they just deny the fact that they're even having the emotions because they want to seem like they've dealt with it. I'm fine. I'm over it. Oh, pff. and you know, put on that air. But the reality is if you are still stuck thinking about whatever this is, then you haven't really dealt with the pain. There's a good chance that you have not dealt with the pain. So you need to give yourself permission to feel the pain, whatever hurt, disappointment, sorrow, sadness, anger, don't, you don't necessarily have to act on all of it. Like you don't get to get angry and go, you know, demolish something. Don't be breaking things up, but you need to acknowledge that you're angry. It's okay to be, it's a human, it's a human emotion. Look, I just, I've been, for some reason this week, this has come up a lot. I was like, you know, Jesus flipped over tables in the temple. He had a little temper. He knows that, you know, you're, you're going to have it. So but acknowledge it. And if you need to write it down so that you can really just put word, put it to words, then write it down so that you have something to read back so you can understand this is how I'm feeling and this is why I'm feeling this way. And this is why I'm feeling this way. So the next thing is once you realize that, you want to be intentional about not dwelling on it. So even if the situation ended poorly, you feel like you just got mistreated, uh, it could have been handled better, all of that. You have to not believe the lies that other people have told and you have to not believe the lies that you've been telling yourself. Matter of fact, I have a book for that. I hope this is showing the right way. So this is Tina Lifford. Anybody here watch Queen Sugar? So this is Tina Lifford from Queen Sugar. Um, I met her a couple of years ago at a women's uh, event in Chicago. Then I went to a women's retreat in Mexico where she was going to be speaker and she invited me to join her and another group of women to read, to do a reading of a play she wrote. And so uh, when I first met her, this book was on pre-order and I ordered it in like August and got it that November. It's the little book of big lies, the little book of big lies. You know, I'm always showing up with a book here. So write this one down, but I like it because it, it really talks about the things that we tell ourselves that aren't true. She said, in all your years of schooling, did you ever take a class that explained how to navigate the hurt, drama, and fear that accompany life? So she tells some really good stories and she gives a lot of really good pointers. And at the end of each chapter, she gives you some stuff that you can do for yourself. But I like it because it really does talk about the things that we tell ourselves that we don't have any, we don't have any proof that they're true. So here's, here's some of them. Are you thinking that some pain lasts forever? Have you ever told you this is going to hurt me for, I'm never going to get over this. That's how that might sound. I'm never, I'm never going to get over this. Are you living life thinking something's wrong or against you? I have another girlfriend that always reminds us life is happening for you, not to you. Are you bullied by the old set? You've got some kind of torturous thing in your past that you keep getting bullied by. Are you tired of being knocked off your center by old patterns? Do you think how you feel doesn't matter? Some people never got a chance to express their feelings. That's why this one exercise in, in uh, understanding what you're feeling it, and then dealing with them, figuring out where do they come from? Why am I feeling like this? So Tina Lifford, The Little Book of Big Lies, good read for you. Learn from what you've experienced. So I know you've heard there's always a way to learn from your past. This is no different. Just because you've been stuck in your past, if you if you're if you're if you keep going back to it, go back there and see what you can learn from it. Maybe that's why you keep going back to it. Maybe there was a lesson that you haven't learned. And if you've been repeating the same behavior or picking the same woman or picking the same guy or going back to similar job experiences or creating similar work environments that you have to quit or run away from or wait till you get fired. Maybe you do need to go back far enough to see if you can figure out where did this pattern start? What is this connected to? And it's not about blaming folks. You don't need to blame your parents. You can look back and see, you know, we talked about, um, we talked about your attachment styles and how they're associated with how our, our parenting, what that was like. It's not about blaming them. It is about being able to identify where the pattern started and what was involved in that. So, Learn from those experiences. Um, you know, when you're saying yes and you really wanted to say no, that's something you stepped into. Because what you need to learn is 
Why am I saying yes to things that I really don't want to do? Why am I saying yes to people that I really don't want to spend time to? So what can you learn from it? Learn to trust your intuition and learn to practice taking a pause. So before you say anything, just, you know, let me let me get a minute to think about that or let me get back to you tomorrow. So give yourself some time so you can sit and process, okay, the last time this happened, okay, and the time before that when this happened and the time, and you can start tracing this thing back yourself to figure out where did this pattern start that I need to stop now? And now you can start figuring out a solution that moves you forward in a different way. Here's a big one. Don't play the victim. I kind of hate this term now because I, I'm so sick of black folks getting charged, call, call, accused of playing the victim or playing the race card. Oh, so over it. Um, don't play the victim though in your own life because it's not cute. Being a victim in your own life is not cute. It's not fun. It's not going to get you anywhere. Um, and there, there's no way to recover from it. There, there's nobody that's ever decided I'm going to be the victim in my life and that's how I'm going to win. Woo! It's not going to happen. And it strips you of your control over your life that you actually do have. You, you don't have any way to become empowered when you are playing the victim. So understand that if your brain is like a, a, you, you handle and manage the remote control of your brain, even if you don't believe it, even if that's not what you were taught, you get to decide how you want to respond to certain things instead of react. And you get to decide what your behavior is going to be. And to some degree, that helps you di dictate what your thoughts and your emotions are going to be around some, some, some situation. So don't play the victim because it's so disempowering. There's no growth in being a victim. Choose to be in control of that remote in your brain and figure out what you're going to do. What channel are you going to switch this to? What channel are you going to switch it to? How are you going to move those rabbit ears so you get better reception? And how are you going to change that channel? There are going to be people on here of a certain age who have no idea what I'm talking about when I say rabbit, <laughs> rabbit ears. They are just like, what, why did she start talking about rabbits? We're, we, I got to rewind because I didn't know we started talking about animals. Um, forgive, 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 forgive. You got past hurts, past hurters. <laughs> you, you need to figure out a way to forgive. And if you can peel back how you're feeling about what happened, identify what happened, identify how you're feeling, and ask yourself, how long have I been stuck feeling this way about that thing? What do I need to let go of so it I can let go of it or it can let go of me? You may feel like it's just got a hold on me. Yeah, I'm just going to be honest. It doesn't have a hold on you. That would be you holding on to it. And you have the power to let go and set that shiggity free. But you're probably not going to do it as well. Uh, until you can forgive the past hurt. So healing means you have to experience the fullness of the pain, the fullness of the pain. You need to be real honest with yourself about how much this hurt you and how you felt, all of that, vomit it all out. And then the healing, you, you, gotta, you gotta heal and not hide. So you can't hide from the pain and heal. If you wanna heal from the pain, you can't hide. It's, it's pretty, pretty simple, even though I'm not going to be able to say that again because it just came out that way that time. So forgive them, forgive you, and do not carry the burden of unforgiveness because it's only putting weight on you. They don't even know. <laughs> they have gone on with their lives, happy as they may be or not. They're gone. Like The fact that you're sitting there ruminating about whatever that was, and sometimes we kid ourselves and think, I bet they're, I bet they're sitting around thinking about how good I was to them. And I bet they wish they had never left. We, we don't know that. <laughs> That's our ego. That's our ego telling us that stuff. And, and if you need to tell yourself that, if your ego needs to feed that to you for you to move forward, sing that song all day long. Yes, they, they are missing you. Oh my God, they, you, losing you was the worst thing that ever happened in their life. But if that's all you're doing is that conversation with yourself, you're still keeping yourself stuck in the past. It just sounds good to your friends after you have two glasses of wine. And they go, that's right, girl. He don't know what he's missing. He may not even be thinking about you. Statistics say there's a good chance he's already with somebody else. But I digress. Eight, don't wait for closure. This is kind of connected to what I was just saying. Don't wait for closure. Do not sit around thinking that this person she or he, that they're going to have an epiphany one day 
and they're going to go, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that I hurt somebody so deeply. I need to go find them and tell them how horrible I feel and tell them that they were the best person that I've ever been with. I just wasn't ready. If you are sitting around waiting for that, somebody on here tell me how long they may be sitting waiting for that. Anybody, just give me a guess. Years, months, a lifetime. Just pick one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my mom wrote, men get over you by getting another you as soon as possible. Or somebody that has the same body parts as you in most cases. It's not always the case. Um, but don't sit around waiting for closure because honestly, that is sort of another low-key excuse for you not to move forward. Well, as soon as I get closure on this, mm -mm, no, it's not, a, it's not a once this happens, then I'll live my life. You're going to have to figure out how to get closure for yourself. And that's why this whole thing of not playing the victim, because victims aren't empowered to get closure on their own. You need to be empowered. You need to give yourself permission to stand in your power. I just I just thought of something the other day. I just had a new phrase that I'm going to start building around. It's your empowerment zone. What does your empowerment zone look like? You need to get in your empowerment zone because once you're in there, you will create closure for yourself. And closure may look like, mm, that relationship started off great. I didn't see this coming. It's over. It hurt like hell. It took me two months, three months, eight months, nine months, a year and a half in therapy or whatever to move through it, or I'm still moving through it, but I know I'm going to get over it and I'm going to be better for it. And the closure comes when me, when I realize and accept that that's my past and I don't have to be stuck in it or be defined by it or beat myself up over it. And that's how you can create closure for yourself. Um, Let's see here. When you found out they were cheating or lying or whatever it was. My mom said closure is when you found out they were cheating or lying. Yeah, it, it might be. But it, it's it, I would say it's the beginning of the end. Um, but for a lot of people, they don't get closure. That, that doesn't that opens up the wound and they never figure out that your responsibility is to close it and heal it. And they live in that wound of, and that's how they end up being the victim. Oh, this was a good one because it just connects all this. It's like, yeah, well, you know, they cheated on me. And then your friends are saying, oh, you'll meet somebody else. And then you do. And at dinner number one, you're talking to them about how your ex cheated on you. And they're just sitting there like, oh, wow, we haven't even, we haven't even gotten salads yet. This is going to be a long dinner. They're thinking about going in the bathroom and climbing out a window because you are still stuck in victim land. You are still stuck in your past. You have not tried to find closure. And, and closure is not you talking about this to everybody, especially if it's somebody you just met. So this closure is this ideal scenario that typically it doesn't often happen. Not because the person is a cat or they hate your guts or they don't care. They probably didn't even think about it. And they more than likely just went on with their life doing the best they could. And the best they could might suck for you. That's the real deal. So then you get caught up in fretting about how you didn't get closure. Life doesn't care about political correctness. Life doesn't care about poetic justice. Life doesn't care about, well, it's, it's just the principle of the thing. Life doesn't care about any of those things. That's you creating a scenario in your head to give you a reason to feel however you're feeling. It's, it, it, it's just not, there's nothing in the clouds that says any of that stuff has to happen. So just like you, the other person is control in control of their behavior and they're probably not going to check back with you to see if their behavior is okay. They're just going to go do what they do. So if you are sitting around waiting for closure, this is when I, I have to go back and check. Do I give this as an option every episode? If not, I should make it a thing that I do. So if you really want closure and you think you're not going to be able to breathe right until you get it, I want you to find a therapist. Yeah. I might be able to help you, but there's a good chance a therapist might be needed because you need to dig underneath and get underneath those layers of why, what closure means to you what it looks like to you and what magical mystical thing you think is going to happen in your life when you get it. Because if that person rode back on a horse and took you to a field and laid out a picnic and told you all the reasons that they cheated on you, I don't know that that would actually make you feel better. Even if they apologized at the end, 
Maybe it would. Apology is not a bad thing. They do say that they're healing, but you don't know that. So everything that you're making up in your head, you could just as easily make up in your head. I'm going to figure out how to give myself closure. And if I never see that person again, I will have healed this. I will have figured out a way to heal this for myself. Another thing you can do, build up relationships with other people. Get, um, get out and meet some new people. Find some things that you can do with them that are exciting. Make, make an effort to advance those new relationships. So maybe, maybe you just go bowling or you find some, some activity to do. And when you do meet people, figure out how can I advance this friendship? How can I spend a little more time with people who are more like you? So you want to surround yourself with people who they understand you, they get you, and they support you. Um, I know a woman right now going through a divorce and she's got an old friend from years ago who, who, when they reconnected, he just happened to also be going through a really bad divorce. And both of them have spouses who cheated on, on them. And both of them have teenagers. And it's a platonic relationship. But what's happened is they have figured out that they can be a good support for each other because they both understand what the other one is going through, right? So another thing you can do is focus on today. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna break this down a little bit more later. So right now it's just like the whole today. So what are you what are you gonna do at work today? Um, what are your plans for this evening? What is something that you are really excited about that either happened today or might happen today or that you're planning to have happen? So literally spend some time and just sit and think about today. If you can get yourself to do this when you're starting to spiral back into your past, see if you can stop yourself. And you may need to write some things down because sometimes writing will redirect. Um, put on some really good music. Okay. Don't put on music. That's a whole, a whole playlist of love songs from you and your ex. That's not, <laughs> that would not be the music to put on. Okay, I'm just I I have to say this because there's going to be somebody out there that goes, oh, I'm gonna put on all our favorite love songs. No, don't do that. Matter of fact, if you have that, whatever it is, a CD or a USB or it's on your phone, delete that. I'm giving you permission to delete it. You have one or two songs on there that you just love because it reminds you of something else. Save them, but you need to get rid of that. Make a new playlist for yourself. Matter of fact, um, I have one I call Empower Me playlist. It's my Empower Me pay playlist. A lot of the songs are women. They're uplifting. I got everything on there from Queen Latifah to Diana Ross singing It's My House. Yeah, that's a good, you, you have no idea. I, who knew? Who knew? So figure out if there's something you can listen to. Another thing you can do, and I was going to look something up. So look up white noise. I've heard now there's something I think called green noise. So it's, it could be, it could sound like static or the ocean or wind blowing through the forest or water running or rain. It's this noise. And what it does scientifically, what it does is it distracts your brain just enough to help you like go to sleep or relax because your brain is paying attention to the sound. So it can't spiral out of control thinking about all kinds of other stuff. So even when you're up and not trying to go to sleep, you might be able to put something on in the background that sort of keeps your mind entertained so that you can focus on what you want to do. And in this case, maybe what you're going to be doing today, what you're looking forward to, but it might. So try a bunch of different things and see what helps you when you realize you're starting to ruminate about something in the past that you can't change. So what is it that you can do today or even this week that is going to get you excited? So think about these things. And if you do this every day, you can develop a really good pattern, a really good behavior that makes you intentionally ground yourself in what's happening today. And once you, once you get really good at that, it gets really hard. I'm not going to say impossible. I'm not going to say if you do this for the next six months, that you're never going to have a day where you think about whatever happened in the past. No, you will. You probably will because you'd have to have like a lobotomy or something for it to just leave your brain. However, the difference will be when it pops up, you can view it differently and you can have a different feeling about it. You, you'll know you're getting there when the emotions that used to be connected to it subside. And then when they're gone and you can think about it and be like, hmm, he was a jerk. He did lose a good thing. Too bad for him. And move on with your day. 
And that's different than, he was a jerk. He lost a good thing. <laughs> it's two different things. Thank you very much. Sad card, still active. Yes, that's right. Okay, another one. Find work that you love. Find work that you love. Now, maybe you have a job that you're not terribly in love with, but I'm going to give you this one tidbit. If they are paying you money, <laughs> they are paying you U.S. currency, and that's the only reason you can find to like that job, I need you to like that job just a little because it's cognitive dissonance to get up every day and go someplace that you hate before your feet hit the ground. <laughs> that's crazy. As they say, that's crazy making stuff. Don't do crazy making stuff. Find a reason. This is this is connected to how you think and how you feel are connected. So if you get up every day and say, I hate my job, that means you're already feeling frustrated or aggravated or angry or less than because you don't feel appreciated. And now you're going into that job. Now, a therapist might tell you there's some stuff behind that that they might want to lay you on a couch and have you talk about because you're literally getting up and saying, yay, let's go someplace we hate today and let's do it again tomorrow. No wonder that's going to make you miserable. Driving into work is not going to be fun. You're going to be distracted. You will not be as productive long term as you could be if you could find a reason to go in. So if the reason is they're paying me and that money allows me to keep my house, feed my children. In our case, we keep from killing palm trees. Whatever it is, start making that mental shift there, just like you're making a mental shift about your past. So find work that you love or find something that you love about the work that you're doing. How about that? And keep improving yourself. This is number 12. Keep improving yourself. How can you grow? What can you work on? I promise you, if you're stuck on something that happened in your past and you take time to start growing yourself, that's empowering and it's also a confidence booster. And the more confident you are about who you are and how you're showing up and what you're capable of doing, the less you will be stuck trying to go back to a past because your present and your future will be so freaking bright. You'll need sunglasses. Yeah, it'll be so bright. You won't even want to keep looking back into that darkness. And when you do, you'll look back with the different, different eyes. You'll be able to look back and see it more for what it was and not the fantasy world of perfection that you might be creating in your head, right? Another one. Here's a fun one. Take, um, take risk. Take risk. Do some risky stuff. I know I'm kind of on that edge of uh, being impulsive. Calculated risks. How about that? So find something that's going to get your blood going. That's going to get your energy level up. That's maybe even scare you a little bit. It don't have to be dangerous scary, but maybe you're afraid of heights. And let's see, what can you do if you're afraid of heights? You can go up on one of those landings like in Chicago where you go stand up on the umpteenth floor of some building and you stand on that glass bottom thing and look down. And that might be enough right there for you to go, whew, scared the bejeebers out of me. I'm alive. But think of something that you could do that might be risky. Maybe it's learning a hobby or learning a new skill. Uh, maybe it's looking for a new job because you don't like the one you're at. And I'm trying to make you find a way to love something about it. And maybe you're going to love that you get paid and you're going to love looking for a new one. How about that? Um, what is your ideal version of you? Here's a good one. What is your ideal version of you? So one week I asked people to write down, and I do this quite a bit, write down what your ideal partner would look like, because most of us haven't done this. If you're single, we have an idea what kind of car we want to drive. We know what a house, the house we want to buy, what it looks like, the neighborhood. When we go buy a pair of shoes, we know what we're getting them for and what, how high the heel's going to be, or we, do we need a certain color? We might have a favorite brand, but when you think about a partner, clueless, but this is another one. What is your ideal version of yourself? Yeah. So maybe you should write that down and see if you're there. And it's okay if you're not there. That means you got some growth areas to work on, which is awesome because now you get to focus on your future. And it's another thing that keeps you from looking at this past. Here is the last one. Embrace the present moment. So I talked about today. But what does it look like if you just sit in the current moment and embrace the moment? And I'll tell you an exercise. I actually learned this from a therapist. Um, there's a, there are a couple of them like this, and it's sort of a sensory exercise. You can sit in the space where you are, and the first thing you can do is just look around and take note of things in the room and find one thing that you can focus on and look at and see how much detail can you notice about this one thing. 
This is also really good if you're frustrated or getting aggravated um, or feeling like you're overwhelming. This is a great exercise for that too. But if you find that you're ruminating on your past to zap you back into your present, find that one thing in your space that you're going to look at. Then find something else that you can touch. And you don't have to get up. It could be the seat that you're sitting in. Close your eyes and feel the wood, feel the fabric, squeeze it and feel how the, does the cushion feel really soft? Is it tight? It might be your, your, your shirt that you're wearing. Find something that you can get your fingers on and actually feel it. And as you're feeling it, describe in your mind what it feels like. Do you feel the, the grain on the wood? Can you feel the texture changes in the fabric? Is there a pattern on it? All that sort of stuff. So you got something to look at, something to touch. Now you want to listen. If you close your eyes and listen, like right now, I just heard a helicopter go by. Sometimes here we hear bombs and all sorts of stuff, but I, I can hear a helicopter in the distance. So sit and sit and listen to, I was going to say sit and see what you hear. <laughs> sit and listen and, and acknowledge what you're hearing. And if you do each one of these for just a minute, just try to do it for like a minute. And then the other one is smell. What are you smelling as you sit in your space? And again, you can close your eyes so you can just focus on whatever that sensory is and see if you're smelling anything. I'm not smelling anything because I'm too far away from the kitchen and my neighbors are not barbecuing today. And then the other one is taste. And this one might seem strange, but do you still taste your toothpaste in your mouth? Did you recently brush your teeth? Did you eat something right before you started doing this exercise and you still taste it? Or does your mouth feel dry? What is it? So you're basically using your five senses as a guide and as a way to ground you in the current moment, right? So I just gave you 15 things. I don't know if you even knew it was 15. It was a lot, but I just gave you 15 things that you can do to help yourself start moving from ruminating about your past, trying to revive this dead thing that's out of your life and may physically be dead to getting in your present and being able to focus on your future. And I'm going to I'm going to take you back to the beginning where you didn't get to this space overnight. It didn't happen all at once that you started feeling stuck in your past or thinking about something that was that's been over. Give yourself time and show yourself grace in how you move forward. But you can start making some little incremental changes as soon as you want, just by trying one of those exercises. You can get off of the Zoom and do that five sensory exercise just to see how it feels. So the next time you start going into the past, you can have a way to check yourself. Now I'm going to give you a bonus one. This is number 16, straight out of my brain just right now. Have that good friend or family member or somebody and actually tell them, if I start talking about X, Y, Z, you tell me I got five minutes and, and you can both set your timer. And so you only get five minutes. I'm going to give you five. I used to ask my girlfriend, I used to say, can I, can I get five minutes? Because I need to just get this out right now. Because um, I'm one of those folks that wants to talk through my stuff and I drive, I drive people close to me crazy. It's like, I got to tell somebody. So give yourself five minutes or three minutes and tell your friend, say, okay, if I do this, I'm going to come to you and I want you to say, I'm going to give you five minutes. Look. When I was a kid, my mom had me convinced that you could be in a bad mood in 10-minute blocks. I should have been in therapy a long time ago, but it was it was kind of cool. So this was because like I was upset about something one day and we were supposed to go somewhere and she said something like, oh, well, you look like you're upset. And she looked at her watch and she said, okay, well, you have 10 minutes. And then you need to get over that so we can leave and get on with our day. So I literally, in my little brain, I thought, oh, I didn't know till I was older that people could just be mad and angry and ornery indefinitely. Because I thought, well, if you, 10 minutes, my mom was like, 10 minutes, you need to fix that. You need to get over that because we don't have time for that to be the all day thing. So this is your bonus number 16 on how you can deal with being stuck in your past, trying to breathe life into a dead thing. Have your friends put you on a timer. That if you start talking about it, they're going to give you five minutes. And at the end of that five minutes, that's it. You don't get to talk about that thing anymore. Not until the next meeting. They give you five more minutes tomorrow. All right. Anybody want to add anything? Any comments? We've been on here for a minute and I appreciate you all hanging in here with me. I appreciate those of you who are catching me on any of the streaming services or on my YouTube channel. Love, love, love you. I'm seeing the numbers on my YouTube go up. So I do want to tell you, you can catch replays here on Fireside. 
And you can catch replays on my YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube and type in divorce is not a destination, my thing will pop up and you can get all 50 something of my past episodes of this podcast. Yeah, they're all on there. And I want you to invite your friends to get on my YouTube channel. I really want to grow that audience as well as, uh, as I'm growing the one here. So thank you, everybody. Have a great night and have a really, really good weekend. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Divorce Is Not A Destination. Please recommend the show to friends and family. You can join my live audience and see upcoming shows by registering for access at firesidechat.com forward slash Lisa Summer Hour. Connect with me on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Divorce Is Not A Destination. And catch replays here on Fireside, my YouTube channel, or your favorite streaming service. Until next time, remember, I'm here to help you get unstuck, gain confidence, and thrive beyond your breakup or divorce. Because divorce is not a destination.